I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to all the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. If you're a fan of the Friday the 13th series, you're in luck because today we have yet another Friday the 13th episode for you. Today we're discussing Friday the 13th Part 2, one of the best ones, and we have Vicky from the movie, the lovely Lauren Marie Taylor with us today to talk about it. All that and more today on High on Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. And now it's time to get to Screaming Room. And this week we have episode two of the third season of Creep Show, exclusively on Shudder. And the two stories from this episode was the first one, Skeletons in the Closet, and the second one, Familiar. And again, I gotta say this week, I like the first one better. I mean, it was an homage to the slasher genre, and I mean, some other films as well. I mean, I can't even begin to name like every film that they had some kind of Easter egg to. Really? You like the first one more? I'm glad we didn't talk about this beforehand. I'm a fan of the second one. I like Familiar more. No, I I liked all the skeleton work, like the stop animation, like Jason versus the Argonauts, like Claymation. Although although we were talking, it's kind of hard to tell if that's CGI or that really was like the stop animation. It might have been both. It might have been stop animation with some CGI over it or some just, you know, maybe some not so good CGI that almost looks like stop motion um but yeah skeletons in the closet was directed by greg nicotero and i guarantee you i fucking guarantee you that all the props in that segment you see all those life-size movie statues of jack from an american werewolf in london and you know the creep from creep show i guarantee you that all of those are props from the KMB office or workshop or whatever where Greg Nicotero works. I have seen many interviews with Greg where he is sitting in front of these life-size movie props. And it's funny when, you know, you know how low-budget film projects work because you can see the thought process and ingenuity that goes into it. You know, easy money, save money, and use your own props. Hell yeah, perks of being an FX guy. Um, also, there's a comic book sequence that is intelligently used to save time in the episode as well as money um because that scene would have required some legit special effects work um but uh they got it out in a few drawings i dig it good episode uh homages to phantasm psycho and more what else did you catch oh did it, i'm sorry did you say halloween no i mean yeah you had that jason goes to hell uh phantasm um dude there's just the, the so- miner's mask from my bloody valentine yeah, there was I've, a jason goes to hell uh bust or whatever you want to call it yeah it was like a bust it was like a shoulder piece yeah it was the same with like the halloween mask and mm-hmm. i like i said i thought that um J- james remar uh kind of almost looks like they kind of modeled him after john carpenter a little bit he had the long hair and the mustache yeah it was like what if john carpenter was like a snooty like uh film critic or art you know art critic or something like that it's kind of taking him out of the director's chair and putting his like demand and his popularity uh in the spotlight of like well, i don't know what you would necessarily call him a film critic i don't know yeah. a film historian maybe historian probably yeah collector um and yeah. then uh yeah the second one they that was a baba dupe looking motherfucker <laughs> um no yeah that one was directed by joe lynch who you know we're a big fan of we love joe lynch you know he's a he's big he's friends with adam green and we're big adam green fans as well 
Um, and, uh, you know, um, I thought that this this segment was solid as hell. It might be one of my favorite episodes of the entire show thus far. It doesn't have as much going for it as the first segment does. Um, Skeletons in the Closet. Um, uh, and it's, it's more of like a tight-knit story, so there's not much to talk about without giving stuff away. But this one is creepy and has good makeup and a really legit-looking demon. The demon looks legit. I'll leave it at that. Uh, but Familiar won the episode for me. We're on opposite ends here. Yeah, and I also thought of familiar. It almost uh, kind of reminded me of the leprechaun with the whole crate thing, where there's just like a voice coming out of the crate. Uh, I'm more creepy, maybe. Like, yeah, in, in but that like sense. it, it kind of had that like kind of same. Agreed. I yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I definitely like the first one better. So I mean, it was obviously the better one. So you'll just have to deal with that. <laughs> okay. Well, well, you know, what? let's just we'll we'll smoke on it and talk <laughs> about it. Uh, I think we're ready to smoke. So let's get into strain rack. Now it's time for Strain Wreck, the segment where John and I discuss which strain we're getting wrecked on in each episode. Today, we're smoking another new strain called 5150. It's a hybrid bud and another strong diesel strain. It's not as strong as the shit we smoked last week. <laughs> uh, regardless, it's good shit. I'm super baked. Uh, this is more of a mellow baked. Uh, last week was comatose baked. John, check it out. All right. I don't know what 5150 is, but it looks like some like matrix shit here on the bag. Smells good, don't it? You know what? It kind of smells like it has uh, the fruitiness of the uh, turbulence, but like the diesel smell of the gas money. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a combination of both of those. And it's one of the new. It's it's one of the newer strains, like I mentioned, just like them. So yeah, it makes sense. Maybe it's. Uh, you know, it could be spliced with some of those. It's still so new. We need to do some more looking into it. But yeah, like you, you might be onto something there. And it, uh, it, this is one of the first ones I think that uh, we've had that really wasn't um, too dark with like the purples. It still has a little bit of that orange on there, but it's more just mostly just straight green. It's just green with a little bit of orange. A it's like fuzz. a like a like a pale green, like a mm -hmm. like olive green. I'd say. Yeah, it's more of a lighter shade. Absolutely. Well, uh, I'm going to spark us up, man. What's going on this week in horror history? This week in horror history. Well, this week we got a bunch of films celebrating anniversaries. David Lynch's cult classic, Eraserhead. Lucio Fulci's Don't Torture a Duckling. Burnt Offerings. Uh, but today we're going to talk about Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers from 1995 and the seminal classic from 1988 pun not intended elvira mistress of the dark man i just want to say it is just fucking draining talking about halloween six bro um i mean there's so much to talk about there's the the theatrical cut the only movie that i know that also has a producer's cut i've never ever heard of a producer's cut before this all the hype about that producer's cut and all they gave us was some goddamn little frozen meatballs <laughs> those fucking runes were absolutely prepackaged meatballs changed my mind and i to i've told you this i also agree that the producer's cuts worse but i don't know what it says about me when i choose to watch it I always choose to watch the producer's cut. I don't know why. I dude, I think it's because I, I could just crack up at the fucking frozen meatball runes every time. And it still cracks me up. Who in their right mind thought that Donald Pleasance, who 
let's be honest, he looked like he was on his deathbed making that movie. Who thought, you know what? We're going to pass on the curse of Michael. We're going to pass it on to fucking Dr. Loomis, and he's going to go around killing people? I mean, damn, how strong is Thorne? I want to know if he would have donned the mask or if he was just going to rock that <laughs> trench coat. <laughs> uh, I mean, his face looked better because he got them skin grafts, though. But look, you had said that you, that you find yourself watching the producers cut more even though you dislike it more. We just talked about that shit last week. It's because it falls into such a bad movie category that you have an option of either watching a terrible movie, either taking itself seriously, which is horrible, or a terrible movie that takes itself so seriously that it turns into a satire. It's, it's fun to watch in the sense that Jason X is fun to watch. It's so bad to enjoy. It's not like, it's like, you know, comparing um the producer's cut is say comparing jason goes to hell to jason x it's like you got the theatrical which is jason jason goes to hell and then the producer's cut which would be jason x it's like two shitty movies but one of them you can at least laugh at yeah and my man john i mean my man's just trying to lay down the law in the house poor john strode he's got his daughter comes back with his kid he's just a good father and like these people walk all over him i thought i thought he was a real good guy <laughs> you always like the assholes man <laughs> but yeah no uh i i really do not like this movie um i don't like this film i've uh I've had Halloween fans over the years question me and because I diss it, you know, and you know, they're, they're always, you know, Oh, well, Michael Myers is evil and the kills are brutal and he's vicious. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, if you watch the first Halloween, you'd know that Michael was always evil and you'd see that, uh, brutal kills don't make the original film. Great. There was ad, like not really any brutal kills, Bob getting stabbed against the wall. That's about as brutal as I can think. And it wasn't that brutal. Uh, uh I mean, Linda was cut in half but it didn't show it true. And, uh, and because Michael is a big ox, it doesn't mean that, you know, that's a reason to like it, you know? Um, no, not a fan. Um, I just lost what I was going to say about, uh, part six. Uh, but um, it did bring to an end the, uh, the thorn trilogy are like second, I guess if you include three, it would have been the third timeline already. Um, Daniel Harris, not back as, as Jamie, um, some other random woman in there because i remember seeing and i was like who's this supposed to be and they're saying jamie and i'm like jamie from four and five i know i know (laughs) yeah that one throws you for a loop uh yeah and uh i mean also the producer's kind gives us uncle daddy michael (laughs) (laughs) uncle daddy michael that is absolutely true yeah michael keeps it all in the family yeah (laughs) like that's also another thing who the hell was like you know what let's make jamie lloyd's kid michael's baby like you know what he's so evil in this one he's gonna keep it in the family (laughs) yeah he's gonna pull incest (laughs) anyway let's get done with that let's talk about elvira man what are your thoughts on elvira i mean how could you not like elvira for what it is exactly thank you for saying (laughs) it was a big part of my adolescence (laughs) absolutely you know uh you know i'm a lifelong elvira fan well not a lifelong half of a lifelong elvira fan uh i've met her twice and i have you know ton of original uh i have a ton of merchandise including the original cores cut out that's hanging behind you there on the wall and mistress of the dark is absolutely one of the best horror satires ever and that's why it's so popular man uh you know everything it says about everything about it says 80s the music the style (laughs) the wit oh yeah for sure and uh and, and elvira is just so attractive man and uh 
You know, that's why that's why men love her and that's why women love her. She's sexy as hell. She's sassy. She's funny as fuck. And uh, she transcends, you know, like Jennifer Tilly. She's the whole package. She's, you know, she was every horror fan's crush at one point or another. I guarantee it. She was mine. I personally became a fan of hers when I was about 13, which was a perfect time. Yeah, and I, I like how uh, an Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, how you have Bob, and he's playing the complete opposite of the blonde bimbo, where Elvira's the smart one, and he's taking the role of, like, the smart, dumb girl <laughs> right, right. in the movie. Like, Elvira's dumb as hell, I, you know, pun intended, she's supposed to be, but she's the intelligent one in that relationship. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I was actually reading a thing, uh, it was saying that uh, Kurt Fuller, when he did the movie, um, he was actually, because he plays a real estate guy in the movie, he was supplementing himself as a real estate guy, and he was taking, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, he was in real estate, and he was so convinced that he bombed his audition, which I don't know if you could go in and go to a movie Elvi of like Elvira's uh, caliber and think that like you could have bombed the audition for that. But he thought that he bombed so bad he went and told his agent that uh, he was quitting showbiz and then later that day he got a call to see he'd been offered the role. That's uh, His scenes in the film are absolutely hilarious. Kurt Fuller was, I think he's highly underrated from the 80s and early 90s. He, he just makes me laugh in everything he's in. Like uh, we talked about No Holds Bar, Wayne's World, like scary, scary movie. movie. Yeah, like he's even in Supernatural. I know you don't watch Supernatural, but he was in Supernatural for a brief, uh, for a few seasons as an angel, and he was a he was a dick. He was a real dick. Zachariah was his name, and he was a dick, but he was still funny. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, yeah, John, John doesn't watch this show, but I bet if he watched it, he'd like him because he's a dick. Oh man. Kurt, Kurt Fuller's good at being a dick. Like, like no holds barred. Like I just said, <laughs> I mean, it's a bad example. It is a Hulk Hogan movie, but <laughs> well, uh, that, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, back to Elvira. Um, you know, uh, it's no secret, you know, you know it, my wife knows it, everybody knows it, anybody who knows me and anybody who doesn't is about to know that she's my number one crush ever. Uh, you know, she's my number one crush ever. I've been in love with that woman since I was a, a teenager. She's always been like my dream girl and it pisses my wife off, you know, but it is it is what it is because you know what, it'll never happen. She ain't interested in nobody to look like me, let's be real. <laughs> but um, but back to the movie, yeah, like you had said earlier, what's not to like? Uh, Grab what, a tool and start banging. <laughs> I would have been on that porch right when they started, bro. Let's be real. I would have been like right there. I would have been. I would have been working on the steps with her right there. But um, but yeah. Uh, look, I mean, what what isn't there to like about it? The what are you gonna say? The the effects are dated. I've I've heard that before. And you know what? Boo fucking who? Go watch Ghostbusters and tell me that those effects aren't dated. Yeah, everybody loves that movie. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't praise one movie for something that you rip another for. It was made in the 80s. Deal with it. If you're going to watch another movie and ignore those things and watch Elvira, Mistress of the Dark and ignore those things, it deserves the same treatment because it's horror doesn't mean you treat it differently. I hate that shit. Anyway, rant over. The ending boob shake. Mm. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I wasn't going to bring that up, but she does show off her talents in the end. <laughs> Her talents, absolutely. <laughs> the Vegas scene at the end. Uh, you were saying about the effects. I mean, if you're watching Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, are you expecting you're going to get like fucking James Cameron level, like considering that like she's known, effects? right? And considering that she's known for hosting B movies, you're <laughs> yeah. really going to criticize a movie for the effects? I mean, you know. And uh, but uh, here's a knowledge nugget for you: Cassandra Peterson wanted Tim Burton to direct this movie, uh, but he was making Beetlejuice at the yeah. time. Um, 
I like Beetlejuice, but I have to say I would love to have seen his uh, take on Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, because that was back in the day when he was actually making good movies. Yeah, and um, Paul Rubens was supposed to make an appearance in it. Pee Wee Herman? Yeah. I think that was uh, before his whole theater incident. (laughs) (laughs) I I would hope so. Yeah, I think that was in the 90s. And uh, now I think it's time to get on to Puff Puff Ask, the segment of our show where Drew and I answer questions that are sent to us through Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at HighOnHorror420 and through email at HighOnHorror420 at gmail.com. Yo, man. Puff Puff Pass. I'll start us off here with a question from a listener named Garth from Billings, Montana. He asks, what is something that you guys dislike about horror movies, and what are some examples? Okay, uh, there's obviously a lot. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can pick out about horror movies, especially the bad ones. Um, uh, my main one, I have, I have, uh, I kind of have two main ones that really stick out to me, so I'm going to just stick to those. Um, one of them is when a movie uses a scare and then reuses that same scare in either a sequel or the same universe. I, I, I've mentioned this, I've mentioned this, I'm sorry, in a prior episode where I feel that once a scare is done, if it's done well and it gave the effect that you wanted it to do, then you need to let it go. Let it be that good scare. Let it work. What happens is a good scare will work, and then everybody goes, oh, we got to do more of that. And then they do more of that. And then it just wastes it. And it turns something that was original and useful into just another, you know, um, another contra, not a contradiction. What's the word that I'm looking for? Another, another cliche. There we go. It turns into another cliche because you know what? The scare that was once something that actually rattled you or took you by surprise is now something that you're seeing coming around the corner. That's a problem. We need to preserve these things because that's what makes movies special, especially horror films. Most recently, I can give you an example of that. And, uh, the conjuring, the devil made me do it. There's a scene that they stole directly from the first Annabelle film that was stolen from Mario Bava's shock. I uh, I don't know if it originated in Mario Bava's shock, the scare, or if, um, you know, that was just the first place that I saw it, but that was the first place that I saw it. Uh, it's where in the film, this, it's, it's someone small in the distance and they run towards you. And then right as they get to you, bam, they're, they're, they're a large person or an adult. And it's just when you see a kid running towards you and like, you know, you're, you're welcoming them with them with open arms and then bam, they get to you and it's not who you thought it was. Creepy as hell worked right away when I first saw shock, uh, it worked in the first Annabelle film because I didn't see it coming. Cause I've never really seen it replicated before, but now here we are in the conjuring. The devil made me do it and it happened. Uh, there's a scene where Lorraine is being lured in by Ed and he pretty much pulls that on her. It's him and you know he's calling to her and as he's walking towards her she's walking towards him and then by the time he gets to her bam it's the witch the villain of the film and uh right away when it started happening i knew what was going on and that's what irked me the most about it. i saw it happening and i thought god damn it they did it they they reused that scare again 
and it's it's part of the same universe. So it's not like it's something that people haven't seen. People who are watching The Conjuring have followed these movies, most of them, and you're just recycling scares. That is just the worst thing to me. That is just that's why horror becomes so cliche, and people rag it. That's the thoughtlessness that people put into it sometimes that gives it a bad name. Yeah, I was yeah I was gonna say not not just reusing scares, just that. Once something works for somebody's movie, it sometimes feels like any any of the big um, studios are just like, put that in the horror movie because they don't know anything about the genre half the time. Oh, well, that worked for that movie. Put it in there. Agreed. And Agreed. then that's, that's again, coming up where, you, where you're talking about it being cliche is that's what happens not just with scares, but everything. I, I agree. I, and, uh, and, and it's speaking of, you know, studios and all those people. Um, my other thing that I really dislike about, um, horror movies is not necessarily about horror movies, but about the people involved in them. I cannot stand when somebody uses horror to break through into something or to even just make a horror movie that gets critical acclaim and then they drop it as, as they drop it from being a horror film and are oh I've never I didn't I didn't mean to make a horror film I didn't know it was a horror film so I was when I was filming the movie I didn't know I was making a horror film but I was filming this gory zombie movie I had no idea that I was making like that type of shit I hate it and you know Danny Boyle the the guy who you know the talented dude who did uh 28 days later you know he knocked it out of the park um, he actually says that when he was filming 28 Days Later that he didn't uh, think it was a horror film and he doesn't consider it a horror film. Just listen to that. How is that movie not a horror film? What about that movie says, oh, it's a comma or a dramedy or a thriller? Dramedy, I said dramedy. <laughs> a comedy or a drama or a thriller or science fiction. What else would you call that movie but horror? And you're actually going to sit there and say, I didn't know it was a horror film. And, 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 and most recently, what really got on my nerves, uh, it happened again. Uh, I just bought the Babadook set. You remember you were with me at Monster Mania. I just bought that Babadook set, and I was watching the extras on it. And uh, one of the, I'm not going to name who it was. I'm not into, uh, if you watch the extras and you have that set from Second Slate Films, you'll know what I'm talking about. But one of the, one of the guys that gets interviewed actually is like, we didn't intend to make a horror film. There was no intention behind it. When I was on set, nobody ever mentioned it being a horror film. I was actually surprised when it came out and people started saying it was a horror film. And then you talk to the director, Jennifer Kent, and, and everybody else involved in a horror film, and they're like, oh, yeah, Jennifer Kent's a big fan of, you know, impressionistic horror films and German horror films, and that's why the Babadook kind of looks, you know, like the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and uh, Nosferatu mixed into one, and she's a big fan of The Exorcist, and there's all these Exorcist uh, uh, nods throughout the film and, and, and uh, comparisons almost, and things that are mirrored from the exorcist and it's like you have everybody even the director saying that they're a horror fan and that they made a horror movie and then there's this one snobby producer who's gonna sit there and be like oh we didn't know we made a horror film oh so you were the only dude in the room that didn't know what you were making i hate that like don't this horror don't make a movie and then be like oh it's not horror yes it is rather it's good or rather it's bad if you make a horror movie it is a horror movie it doesn't turn into another movie or another genre because it gets good reviews that's not how it works so i was trying to jump in there a couple times but sorry <laughs> i was ranting i'm done i'm done um i was gonna say so you're trying to say that zombies are in horror I've never heard of that in my life. That's well, well people are like, oh, well, well, uh, they're infected in 28 days later. They're not zombies. Okay, fine. You don't want to call them zombies. They're are they zombies. still not attacking people and like killing them and bashing their brains in and fucking puking blood on them? 
I don't see how any of that fits in the horror. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm Baba Duck's horror. I don't see where, where you get with that, but, uh, to talk about some of my own, Josh, turn this up as loud as you can. Remakes, remakes, remakes. Now, granted, the thing is a remake, and it's one of my favorite all-time horror movies, but the problem is, like, I've harped on it with Black Christmas. They just make remakes, and it's a lot of times just, oh, well, this was a popular title at this time, so let's use this again. Because I, it's supposed to be like a reboot or whatever of Black Christmas. You'd look at Black Christmas that came out, was it 2019? Uh, 20, believe, so, somewhere around there. I believe it, so. It, it was recently enough. And you compare it to Bob Clark's Black Christmas. What is similar except they're in a sorority? Like, like how is that? How is that a remake when it has nothing to do? Even like the there was no politics in the original one. It was just a straight slasher movie. And they had the remake in 05, 06? I believe it was 04, 05. Or it Maybe like, it was 06. It might have been 06, yeah. It was somewhere around, right around there. there. yeah. And that one was really nothing like it, but at least it was close enough. And then this one, and then, uh, I mean, uh, other problems I have with horror, people think that Rob Zombie's Halloween's a good one. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't, I won't go down that, but yeah, remakes is, I just, remakes are terrible for the most part. I may, mean, may I put in for a second? I want. I want to say you're right. I wanted to, 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 to chime in with what you were saying there. You're absolutely right because one of the things, like Black Christmas, is a perfect example, which is why I wanted to say this. It's almost as if remakes have lost what they're about. They've really just become a money making machine, and that's what's so shitty about it. Like John Carpenter's uh, The Thing is a remake of you know uh, Thing from Another World. Um, because, you know, back then, you know, movies were made that were ambitious and couldn't pull things off. And then, you know, later it's like, Hey, let's, it's, let's pull that off. And remakes used to be like remakes of the movies and they used to honor them and just do things in a better way to say, Hey, now we can do this. And it's like, as time went on, as time goes on, it's like the only thing that's sticking around about these movies is the title. They're not even trying to remake the other movies anymore. They're just like, it's like, okay, let's kind of, it went from being a remake. Now we'll just kind of keep like a gist of it or maybe keep a character's name the same. And then it's like the more it keeps going on now, it's like, well, it's titled the same movie, but it has absolutely nothing to fucking do with it. You know, I was kind of thinking about this and it kind of goes in to one of your other gripes, but I was thinking about like, we say the studios don't care about horror and it's almost the same way with comedy. But it's funny because you can have highbrow comedy that's accepted by these studios, but they still call it comedy. You have the highbrow horror, which is your Silence of the Lambs and things like like that. They find an excuse, like you said, to say it's not horror. It's just something about that label of horror. They don't want it. Even though they don't like comedies, you never see comedies winning, winning Oscars. They can still have their smart comedies, and they'll still refer to it as a comedy. Uh, yeah, uh, just another, another uh, smack in the face, you know, to to the horror genre. Just another injustice. Well, let's get on to our second question here, and it comes to us from uh, let me see here, Sarah from Independence, Missouri, and she wants to know if we think true crime and stuff like serial killers, like Bundy, Dahmer, Gacy, fit into the horror genre. I'd, I'd have to say, yeah, I mean, look at just one famous horror movie, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, Maniac. 
I mean, there's movies, fictionalized tales. I mean, true crime is the real version of that stuff happening. I, I agree. And I think, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, the content. You can have a documentary or a movie about Ed Gein that's horror and one that's thriller. It all really depends on how it's done. The ones in question. Yeah. You know, the ones in question though have to, um, I think that the ones in question have to raise, cross a certain a certain boundary in order to be horror, and a lot of these, you know, ones a lot of them do. You know, you're you're you know watching a documentary about, you know, a guy killing people and even raping people in some instances, and you know, doing these horrendous things, and um, it's you know like like we've said before, horror is subjective. What scares you doesn't scare me. Some people like gore. Some people will not watch a horror movie unless it's gory. Like if it doesn't have gore, they'll think it's trash. So like, nah, it's not gory. Gory gore doesn't make a horror movie a horror movie. You know, um, being scared makes a horror movie a horror movie. But my point is that everybody looks for something different when they're watching horror. Some people might be the gore hound. Some people might be the true crime person. But yeah, if you're watching a documentary about somebody who eats people or kills people and they're showing crime scene evidence. I just don't see how that goes into the thriller genre. I just don't. Uh, yeah. I thought of it. True crime is like nonfiction slasher. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) What's the difference between Michael Myers and Ted Bundy, except Michael Myers is a fictional character you watch. I mean, it's being portrayed as real through the movie. I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, serial I, killers are just nonfiction slasher. I agree. They, they it is like, uh, it is like nonfiction slashers, and uh, it's again, it's the same thing. Like, uh, it's just people trying to categorize things into anything they can but horror just because it's not something super scary doesn't mean it's not horror. Just because I don't find a movie funny doesn't mean it's not comedy. You feel me? Um, but uh, but yeah, the thing about these these the documentaries and everything is that uh, it, it, again, it really all depends on which one you're watching. But um, most people who watch these things are horror fans, and they're watching them to get their horror fix. So I'm not going to sit here and let anybody tell me that it's thriller stuff. I mean, when it's a thriller, I'll call it a thriller. You that show you, it's a good show, not a documentary. But example, that's a thriller. That's not horror. You feel me? Watching what Ed Gein did or Ted Bundy did and hearing about it and watching the families cry, that's much more horrific than somebody getting stalked or, you know. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get what you mean. And, um, I mean, we have movies that are labeled drama comedies, like a horror movie can still be a drama, not to beat a dead horse and bring up Halloween again. But in a lot of senses, that's also a drama slash thriller movie that you could, if you people wanted to argue, you could argue that it's not a horror movie. But I mean, I always feel like it's a movie has to be horror and then it has whatever subgenre it is, slasher, gore, paranormal. Whereas like like I was saying, you could have something with a comedy or anything and they'll call it a drama comedy or a dramedy, you know, s- stuff like that. I mean, it can be horror and something else, but it's just Nobody wants to have horror attached to it. Yeah, like uh, another prime example was uh, The Sixth Sense was actually labeled as a supernatural thriller. What the fuck oh, is a supernatural yeah. thriller? Yeah. How about just calling it horror? So it's to the point now where like it's not horror. It's about ghosts and it's scary as fuck, but it ain't horror. It's a supernatural thriller. We're gonna we're gonna throw supernatural onto that thriller just to emphasize how it's not horror, even though you're scared shitless watching it. 
I forgot. Sixth Sense is the movie that started that whole supernatural yeah. trend. Yeah, it's the same thing. Like you know, it's like oh, it's it's docu, it's docu drama, so it's not uh, horror. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. If you were in the horror book section and you were looking, if you were in a book section and you were looking for, uh, okay, just just say that that that. Uh, let's just say that books were broken up the way movies were by genre. If you were in a bookstore and you were looking for. A book about one of these killers. Do you think that you would find it in the thriller section or in the horror section? True. All right. Well, uh, we went on for a while with that. We're pretty baked. Sorry about that. <laughs> We're not. All right. Uh, don't forget to write in your questions to us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter at High on Horror 420 or email us at High on Horror 420 at gmail.com. Write us. We love hearing from you. Now it's time to get into our review slash discussion of this week's film, Friday the 13th, Part 2. And today's film celebrates its 40th anniversary this year, Friday the 13th, Part 2. And I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. Uh, They brought him back for this one somehow. Now he's a man, but we're not going to ask questions about that. So it's two months after the murders at Camp Crystal Lake and sole survivor Alice Hardy is recovering from her traumatic experience. And then in her apartment, she opens her refrigerator to get her cat some food and she finds Pamela Voorhees' decapitated head just chilling in there. And she's murdered with an ice pick to her temple by an unknown assailant. And then we fast forward five years, Paul Holt, opens a school for camp counselors on the shore of Crystal Lake, and it's attended by Sandra, her boyfriend Jeff, Scott, Terry, Mark, Ted, uh, Paul's assistant Jenny, and uh, today's guest uh, playing Vicky, Lauren Marie Taylor. And then all of a sudden, uh, we have some problems. The murders start picking back up. It's not a good time this summer. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna start this off like this, man. I've always thought this, but I don't think I ever told you this. Tell me that Jason in part two doesn't look like Sloth from the Goonies, grew a ginger beard, long hair, and lost weight in the woods. Oh, that's rough, but yes. <laughs> but no, uh, seriously, part two rocks. It's one of the best ones in the series. Sackhead Jason uh, is a little weak looking, uh, but the kills are on point. And I mean, um, well, let's be honest, he killed a handicapped person. I was going to get to that, but yeah, absolutely. Just one of the most. He's, he's vicious. Just heartless. Just heartless. Uh, Steve Miner directed this one and he did a great job. His first three films actually are quite amazing. I don't know if I, besides John Carpenter, who did some, you know, uh, earlier things that, you know, I mean, John Carpenter has a good resume. So, yeah, besides uh, John Carpenter, this might be the first strongest three films I've seen from a director. Uh, Steve Miner's first three films were Friday the 13th Part 2, Part 3, and House. I mean, that's a hell of a run for your first three movies. Yeah, and then, I mean, in the 90s, he had some movies. I mean, he got involved in the Halloween franchise, too, with H2O, Lake Placid. 2008's Day at the Dead. Oh, I forgot about Lake Placid. That's right. I, I forgot about that one. Yeah, and he also had Warlock in the 80s as well. That was his fifth film. I still have that on VHS. I haven't watched it in a while. I don't, uh, I'm not a fan of that one, but I'll keep it on VHS. He was also a uh, production assistant and assistant editor on The Last House on the Left. 
Oh, wow. A lot of people worked on that film. It's surprising. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Sean Cunningham was involved in it, too. I know. And, and Wes Craven, you know, and some of those guys, you know, even the actors in the film were, you know, at least one of them uh, did porn. There was a lot of people who broke in from <laughs> porn into the horror business back in the day. That's the way it we, worked. We have talked about this. There is a lot of crossover of porn and horror. And Wes Craven... Uh, Took it to his grave. He wouldn't say what the, uh, he said he started his first two movies were pornos, but he wouldn't ever give up the names. <laughs> I mean, look, just for, for, uh, go film, find them on the hub. Maybe just, <laughs> just, <laughs> just for historic purposes. If I ever, if anybody ever tracked them down or found them, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't watch, look into porn like that for all we know, they've been discovered, but for scientific I would watch purposes. them for historic purposes. What science are you getting out of it? Don't question it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, but Friday the 13th part two rocks. Um, the, the, yeah, it's absolutely one of the best ones. The music's great. You know, Amy Steele does, uh, a great job, um, playing Ginny and, you know, being a good final girl, you know, um, and she was a lot of fun at the convention. I agree. Yeah. And, and she was very fun as you know, and, uh, yeah, there's part two is one of those ones in the series that besides the unbeknownst of what happened to Paul, there's not much that I really have to complain about. I mean, besides like, uh, yeah, like it's it, for what it is early 80s slasher film. I can compare it to a lot of other movies that are like it, but it's, it is well done. It's low budget, but it is well done. And I mean, geez, 40 years now, Jason's been, uh, lurking around in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, how old has he got to be now? If you're thinking about current day, it kind of starts getting into that Michael territory. You're like, how old are you? It gets to a point where it's like that Scott Steiner math. It gets to a <laughs> p- <laughs> it gets to a point where once you start hitting a point, you realize, like, oh, oh, wait, this don't add up, and you're better just back it off and walk so it away. Kurt Angle knows he's not going to win, and he ain't <laughs> even going to try. So Jason's going to grow into a man and not even have a childhood. He got a hundred and twenty-four two-thirds chance of winning, <laughs> two-thirds chance of killing. <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's it's uh you 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 you're trying to add things up to to an extent, and then you hit that crosswords where you're like okay wait i get it this is kind of modge podge together and if i (laughs) if i look into this too much i'm gonna probably get mad and have a bunch of questions that i don't want to ask so so you know what yeah suspension of disbelief let it go with that question like two weeks ago three weeks ago about jason from nicole i mean if you're asking too many origin questions you're in the wrong place i i agree i agree and um Actually, um, our guest today, uh, Lauren Marie Taylor, is also in the uh, underrated slasher film Girls' Night Out that John and I are big fans of. Um, I really love it. John watched it with me a couple of weeks ago, and he really liked it. And uh, I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but it is absolutely worth the watch. Uh, The killer wears a bear costume and uses a pole made of knives to slash out, uh, to slash and gash, I mean. Uh, You know, slash Slash gash, cut another hole in your ass. (laughs) Uh, The the twist is excellent, and there's some great characters in there, like uh, Ralph Bostwick, played by John uh, Didrikson, uh, who has my favorite quote in the film when he's asked why he's dancing. He replies, it's the beer. Want some cherry lip balm? What the fuck? <laughs> but anyway, I got to say, 
it's a slasher movie. So, I mean, even if it's bad, it's still a slasher movie. People are dying, so I'll watch it. Agreed. Agreed. And I think that that's the, that seems to be the, the uh, running theme with a lot of slasher fans and horror fans is, good or bad, give it to me. Because <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we know that with the slasher genre and horror in general... <laughs> hits on the spot you know when it hits that g spot when it hits <laughs> when it hits the spot okay, it's real sexual real quick when when horror hits that spot it does it really well and so of course slasher fans are always willing to watch all these slasher films because you never know you might that's really one of those subgenres where there really are diamonds in the rough you'll find a film from like 30 years ago that arrow video will put out like the prey or something you'll be like damn i didn't even know that movie like you know, I never saw that movie, but like, well, I've seen it, but other people have, you know, but you know, you'll see a movie getting put out from like 30, 40 years ago. That's like a slasher film. And they're like, Oh my God, I'll watch it. And even though it's cheesy, they're still either going to like it or they're not, but they're going to give it a chance because every slasher films, always, every slasher fan is always looking for that diamond in the rough, always looking for that slasher film they haven't seen that could surpass Halloween or the greats, like a nightmare on Elm street or be compared with them. Yeah, and I gotta say, we haven't talked about the real star of the film, the brown panties. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Marie Taylor, yeah, that's right. That and the uh, spray always make me laugh. I mean, I gotta, I gotta, look, there's a lot of <laughs> girls that come into situations unprepared. She was not. I gotta give her props <laughs> for that. Vicky was getting prepared. She was making sure, you know, making sure she was freshened up, smelled good, got the new panties on, even if they were atrocious looking, you know, <laughs> she, she was ready. And uh, what's your favorite kill from part two? I mean, we already talked about it, but I think just out of sheer fucking coldness, it has to be the the uh, machete to Mark's face. And it's backwards. I know, man. The fact that he goes down the he damn did, stairs. He like, gave, but he gave him the flat part to his face. Like, how fucking hard do you got to swing to get the flat back part of the machete halfway through his face? And you could really tell the sound effects were like cutting a melon with that scene. Because like when he gets hit with that machete, you hear him yell for a second. You hear a, ah, but you hear the, like that, of like his head getting cut with that motherfucker. This is ridiculous, but every time I see that, it always makes me think of Naked Gun with OJ going down the steps in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Naked Gun is a good movie, dude. But uh, but yeah, what about you? What's your favorite kill in the movie? I mean, yeah, it's it's the wheelchair kill. <laughs> I think it has to I be. Mean, Jason's just a real dick for that. Like, I mean. He don't care about the Americans with Disabilities Act at all. <laughs> it's got to be, it's got to be, you know, look, my man was in a wheelchair, you know, and look, all hey, he you know what? was his fingers. Look, I mean, she was even okay with that. <laughs> yeah, she even says, you know, all I need is your fingers, you know, but of course she's talking about a video game and John's over there trying to. Oh, well, she knew what she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, dude. <laughs> anyway, um. So, you know, Jason, he not only attacks a handicapped person, but it's like, you got to think that, uh, my man really didn't do anything, but hit a joint. So it's like, I guess, I guess just hitting, even though he was in a wheelchair, Jason still didn't cut him any slack. I mean, I guess he's an equal opportunity offender, but it's just like, damn bro. Like all he did was smoke a J like you really still got to kill the man. There was no sex. I mean, he would have had sex. I mean, Jason cock blocked the shit out of him. Let's put it there. But maybe it was the intent. Maybe it was like, you know what? You smoked half a J uh, or a whole J. I don't know. You smoked a J and you intended to fuck. So, you know, uh, I'm going to have to whack you in the face and get you out of here. I got <laughs> get you out of here. I got to say, uh, I'll go with, uh, the idea from last week's guest, uh, Vincent DeSanti. 
it's Camp Crystal Lake. That's his grounds. Like, you showed up, so you got to deal with it. So, yeah, it's it's not just... Handicap or not, you'll get it, too. Handicap or not, sex or not, it don't matter. Even if you're just smoking a J, <laughs> not smoking a J, a J you're in the wrong spot, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, it's going down. My lake, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, I think it's time to get into Burn and Learn, the segment of our show where we fill you in on some cool behind-the-scenes facts about the movie in discussion, and in this case, Friday the 13th, Part 2. Oh. Due to an obsessive fan stalking Adrian King, she requested only to be in Friday the 13th Part 2 briefly. Tom Savini, Sean Cunningham, and Betsy Palmer have all said that it was stupid because Jason shouldn't have been alive the whole time. The look of Jason was derived from the killer in the town that dreaded sundown. This design was chosen because the costume designer thought a sack mask would be something Jason could legitimately have acquired. I mean, that actually makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, unmasked Jason uh, Warrington Gillette auditioned for the role of Paul, but didn't get it. However, he made a big enough impression that they kept him around as Jason. Amy Steele cuts Steve Dash's finger on accident with the machete at the end of the film. Steve had to get stitches and resume filming when he was stitched up. Warrington Gillette is the shortest person to ever play Jason at six foot one. To date, no other final girl has returned to the Friday the 13th series for a sequel but Adrian King. In the poster for Friday the 13th Part 2, Jason is holding an axe. No axe is used to kill anyone in the movie, but he plants one for Paul and Ginny to find in Jeff and Sandra's bed. Facts. <laughs> Supposedly, Jason was created in one day by Carl Fullerton. Uh, Tom Savini didn't want to do Friday the 13th Part 2 because he said... Friday the 13th was over, and there was no story left to tell uh, that Jason shouldn't be alive. So he worked on the on the burning instead of returning to do the, the effects on Friday the 13th Part 2. The working title for the film was Just Jason. All right, well, now it's time to talk to our guest for today, the lovely Lauren Marie Taylor. Our guest today has had iconic and memorable roles in Friday the 13th Part 2 as Vicky and Girls' Night Out as Sheila. Welcome, Scream Queen, Lauren Marie Taylor. Thank you for being on High on Horror. Dude, thanks for inviting me. This was so off the cuff uh, to meet you guys at the convention a couple weekends ago. And yeah, it was really it, it's really cool to do something just that I wouldn't normally be expected to do. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're thrilled to have you, especially after our discussion that uh, we'll get into a little later. Um, first off, let me just ask you, how are you doing? How are things? We're doing great. You know, we're up here up north of you guys, obviously, just went through the hurricane. We had a hurricane that went through, you know, chopping up some trees, getting the old chainsaw out, doing the chainsaw massacre <laughs> on the trees out there. Uh, so, yeah, got a puppy, busy with that. You know, it's like having a newborn baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, and looking forward to, you know, it's the 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th Part 2, so I'm doing a lot of interesting appearances, you know, like at old movie theaters and drive-ins, so it's it's a cool oh, summer, cool. it's a very cool summer, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, all right, well, let's get into uh, 
let's get into edibles. <laughs> we discussed uh, how you how you like to indulge in edibles. Uh, so uh, we're curious, what kind of edibles do you enjoy? Do you like candy or gummies, or it doesn't matter? Um, I well, you know, we. You go to Massachusetts often where we have a little bit of a country home and it's everything is legal there. And I started out with gummies because that's all they had at the place that we go to at the time. I, I guess I can't say the name of the place, but anyway, that's all they had. They were out of everything. And um, then I discovered the cookies and those were pretty awesome. Uh, friends of ours oh, you like came the baked over goods. and they brought me. Yeah, I like the baked goods, the chocolates. I'm really into the infused chocolates. And then a friend of mine came over and, you know, I'm not a big sweets person. You know, like I like my ice cream and, you know, whatever. I really love ice cream. Um, Maybe they can infuse it in ice cream. I don't know. Maybe they do that already. But she brought over cookies for me. And those were gone. I mean, I they were gone. So I'm I'm really into the edibles. I'm not a big smoker. You can ask my husband. Um, <laughs> I think I can count on one hand the amount of times I've smoked. And I usually laugh my ass off and then fall asleep. So I'm really a boring smoker. And obviously in Friday the 13th Part 2, it was pretty obvious. I didn't know how to hold it when I said toke. And, it, it, you know, anybody who watches that movie and remembers that scene says, you don't smoke, do you? And I said, how can you tell? And they said, the way you held it and said, toke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, th- that was the story you had told us at the convention. But uh, have you gained any more experience smoking since then? No, I did try it, um, I guess, about three months ago or so with the a pipe thingy. I'm so lame, right? I mean, this is, I'm a girl from the sixties. Okay. You would think I would be totally on board and with the program. Um, but I grew up in a really strict Catholic household. So, but I mean, I was exposed to hookahs, um, growing up because we went to Turkey, you know, the country Turkey. We didn't like go inside of a Turkey. We just went to the country Turkey and the hookahs were big. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what everybody's smoking. And of course, you know, I was like 10 or 11 or 12 years old and I didn't know what was going on, but I got wind of it. <laughs> so the secondhand smoke, like I can feel that secondhand smoke coming at me right now. <laughs> so yeah, I have tried to smoke it again um, up here, but again, I do what I do best. I laugh my ass off, maybe have sex and fall asleep. <laughs> Probably. Uh, go I'm like a guy, you know, I have sex and fall asleep. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. It is a good time, actually. <laughs> I must admit, my husband is very appreciative. And uh, you were talking about uh, weed ice cream. Actually, when I was in Colorado, they had these little custards that were infused with it, and they're amazing. I'm flying out there. You definitely should. I found them in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> definitely flying out there. I haven't been there in 28 years, and I guess a lot has changed. Uh, now, uh, do you try vapes or is it just strictly edibles for you? It's strictly edibles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, smoking is just a completely different thing. I'm just not good at it. Like I said, I was, I didn't even (laughs) smoke cigarettes. You know, everybody smoked cigarettes in the seventies. I didn't. Um, so smoking, I, I'm one of those people who goes, (laughs) you know, really lame. I'm like, you know, Steve Carell and the 40 year old virgin, you know, I'm just like, (laughs) 
I just can't do it. So edibles are really, and then what happens though, here's the problem with the edibles, especially the ones that are baked for me by my friends. Um, I'll not feel it right away because I'm not used to it. I mean, you know, I like having my wine, um, but I'm not used to that. So when I have one, I'm like, nothing's happening. Meanwhile, everybody who's smoking, it's like, Ooh, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all terrestrial, extraterrestrial and stuff like that. I'll have the edible and it takes time. So I'll just keep eating them. We've all been there. Oh my God. (laughs) I just, yeah, I can't see for a few days. Yeah. Once the train's rolling, it doesn't stop. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like being, it's like being on the top of the roller coaster all the time for me because my body's not used to it because I don't do it that often. Well, I, I personally would like to see you take a massive bong rip. <laughs> I would like to see how you handle that. <laughs> it would be a Maybe sight next to time see. we meet up at a convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when we're down there where it's legal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in New York, you know, where I live, 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 it, it, it will be legal, you know, so I don't, you know, have to go to Massachusetts and whatnot. I mean, I could probably, like I said, I could probably get it medically uh, because I do have underlying conditions. Like I've been married for 38 years. I think that's an underlying condition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to disagree with you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, when we met you at Monster Mania, uh, like, honestly, you were so kind. And even right now, you know, you're you're such a nice person. And that made me want to ask you, uh, Vicky is kind of like the good girl in Friday the 13th Part 2. So I'm like, did playing her come naturally to you? Because, you know, it just seems like you're just such an outgoing person. And she was very outgoing, you know. So I thought, I I was like, I'm going to ask her that because I I would like to know. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, like I said earlier, in a very strict Catholic home. I was very shy growing up. I was kind of the dorky, geeky girl in the Bronx. And, you know, we were in a, you know, we grew up in a tenement um, across the street from the cemetery in the Bronx. So I grew up very sheltered and also very shy. So um, even in high school, I was, you know, I was in a private school that I had a scholarship to. So... I was out of my league in terms of socio so, socioeconomics. So I always felt second best. And I brought that to Vicky because, you know, here you've got the final girl, of course, Amy Steele's a gorgeous blonde who's, you know, out there and athletic and older. And then you've got Kirsten Baker, the hottie and Marta Kober, of course, the precocious one. So my role was the all American sweetheart girl who, kind of saw herself as not in the same league in terms of that ooh-la-la thing as the other yeah. girls. So I played up that for Vicky. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I can tell. But the funny thing about Vicky is that she is very wholesome and very generous and kind. But uh, I, I, I do get why Jason, you know, takes her out because, I mean, you are in the end trying to get freaky. So, I mean, I guess intent does count as well as actually doing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she likes to get a little freaky, but I think he also took her out because he's like, dude, what's up with the underwear? You know, these brown undies, you know, that's not working, you know, you, you know, you got to sex those up, put some, well, anyway. <laughs> well, um, uh, when you were filming Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, was there ever anything on the set about anybody like the actors or the directors or anybody expecting it to be a hit? Because at this point, the first one had come out and it was a hit. So was there like a lot of hype on the second one? Like everybody knew it was going to be something? No, not at all. Um, 
you know, Friday the 13th had just come out and there wasn't this whole um, uh, cult thing that was going on with horror at the time. You know, we had Halloween, you know, that was a big one. And then our franchise started. So it was just the very beginning of the franchise. And I don't think, I know we didn't feel it. We were just like, they're doing our jobs and thought, oh, yeah, this is kind of cool. We get to see this guy sort of grown up or whatever age he is um, in the movie, you know, maybe late teens or early 20s. And we really didn't expect it to be a franchise. We just thought, yeah, it's part two. (laughs) And actually, it wasn't even called Friday the 13th Part 2. On the script, it said Jason. It didn't say Friday the 13th Part 2. It was originally called Jason. Oh, okay. That's that's pretty cool to know. I actually I know a lot about Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and I actually did not know that. So that's really mm-hmm. cool to know. Thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that that's that's cool though. Uh, it, yeah, you know, like um, it it seems like the people who are always in the big movies that last forever, where they're still talking about it like thirty years, forty years, fifty years, sixty years later. It's always, nobody ever expects it. Everybody's all who was on the set is always kind of just like, yeah, it was just a movie at the time. So it's it's pretty crazy. I'm sure looking back, thinking, damn, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is still like being mentioned constantly yeah i mean i had no idea people ask me well do you still have the clothes that you wore you know that funny sweater that you got killed and i said no actually they held on to those things because if they needed to reshoot stuff they needed those clothes so i didn't get to keep anything except my white moccasins that were all bloodied i did bring those home but i was like oh man they didn't let you keep the brown underwear (laughs) no I burn those in effigy. Oh, no, I don't even, you know, I talk about this all the time. I don't even own a pair of brown underwear. I mean, if you look, I'm very organized. So if you look in my drawer, they're organized according to type and color. So I'll have like the boy shorts and then the athletic ones. And then I've got like the lacy ones and, you know, the ones that show your buttocks, you know, your derriere. So they're all very organized. And if you look at the rows that I have, organized you will not find a pair of brown undies not even close i mean the closest you get to brown is burgundy yeah so you're just you're just against it completely like nope that was a one and done oh listen yeah totally totally i must have about 100 pairs of underwear not one of them is brown i personally think brown is a poor choice in underwear color myself Uh, well, uh, let me ask you something. Um, did you get to spend much time with, uh, yeah, cheers. <laughs> uh, did you get to spend much time with Steve Dash? Uh, like, you know, the real Jason, Sackhead Jason, did you get to spend much time with him and how was he interacting with him? Um, not actually, not really at all. Um, Steve Dash, you know, he was our stunt guy. So whenever, um, something needed to be done, you know, he would do the stunt for various people. Um, not for me. Those were my real feet coming down the stairs. Um, I was there mostly when Warrington was getting his makeup done. I actually have a bunch of pictures of that. So when the face that comes through the the window, that's Warrington Gillette with all of the makeup on. So when he does other stuff with the sack head on, that's Steve Dash who took over as the stunt guy. Yeah. But even coming down the steps, it was one of the crew guys, Jerry Wallace, who dragged me down the steps and who actually came out of the bed. You know, oh, that was like so real. Ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Who came out of the bed with the uh, with the knife? That was actually one of our crew guys, 
uh, dressed in the outfit with the sack head. Okay, yeah. See, I I did not know that. I thought that was Steve Dash. So there you go. Another another fact that you hit us with that was that was well received. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, in fact, when I was invited to my first convention some time ago, Steve Dash was there, and I kind of looked at him because I had just seen Warrington. Um, he was in the city. He was in New York, and he called me. And he's like, "Hey, what are you doing? You know, you want to come to lunch?" I'm like, "You know, okay, whatever." Um, hadn't seen him in years. And then when I got invited to a convention, you know, I see Steve J- Dash Jason. I'm like, wait, what? Warrington Gillette was Jason. I was like, oh, wait, Steve Dash was our stunt guy. Okay, I get it. I didn't know what was going on in that world of conventions and who played who. And yeah, under what capacity. Yeah. Okay, well, uh Here's something that I've always wondered. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. I'm sure you're familiar with this, but uh, there's an Italian filmmaker named Mario Bava, and he did a film called A Bay of Blood, a.k.a. Twitch of the Death Nerve. And two films in Friday the 13th Part 2 are taken like directly from that movie. There's the scene with where uh, Mark, uh, I'm sorry, um, Sandra and Jeff get impaled through the bed. And then uh, Mark eating the yeah, and, and Mark eating the machete to the face. So I was wondering, uh, nobody's ever admitted to like, yeah, we saw that movie and that's where we referenced. So have you ever heard anything on like on the set like of that movie being mentioned or anything? No, never, never, never mentioned. Okay. No, not at all. It was always very, you know, it's funny because a lot of sets are very um, social and fun especially neighbors with belushi and Ackroyd. that was a super fun super social set great time best time of my life by the way um but friday 13th i think maybe because we were filming at night and because you're awake all day and then all of a sudden you're filming at night it was very business as usual so it was just about getting the scenes done not really a lot of talking about the script or who the idea person was or anything like that no now you got me curious though you should check it out. Definitely check it out. A Bay of Blood is a very good movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of horror, you know, um, they take from different things. I mean, especially if you look at modern uh, horror or modern um, uh, uh, psychological dramas, you'll see a lot of the shining in things. And you'll see just little pieces of the shining, little pieces of, Absolutely. of Silence of the Lambs, little pieces of The Exorcist. And you're like, wait, they stole that from The Exorcist. They stole that from The Shining, you know, from the classics. So, you know, there, there's just, I mean, horror is horror and there are many ways to inflict disaster and terror, uh, but eventually you kind of, it goes full circle, I think. Well, yeah, I, th- I agree. I think every genre kind of does that. I think, you know, comedies suffer the same thing where it's like oh, everything, absolutely. every Rom-coms. every genre is, is self-refer- <laughs> self-referential, you know? Yeah, yeah. Rom-coms, it's always the same. Everybody's crying and ugh. I don't like rom-coms, sorry. <laughs> well, no, the, my, one of my things that I always told my wife, and my wife, you know, uh, she her eyes were, like, huge when I brought this point up to her, was uh, I was like, everybody always says horror's cliche because you have the girl that's screaming and running in the woods and tripping. But why does nobody ever call out the fact that every time you're watching a comedy, whether it's a romance comedy or a buddy comedy, that's, oh, we're having fun in the beginning, mid-movie, there's a fight or a breakup, some sad song plays, they go about their own way, and then at the end they come back together and it's a happy ending. That is literally the story of Dumb and Dumber, the hangover like anything you could think of and it's like why but but everybody just points the finger at horror horror is cliche i think that's bullshit 
It, I, I agree with you. I, I, I cannot watch stuff like The Notebook, you know, or, you know, Marley and Me. I, I don't want to see dead dogs. I don't want to see ghosts of ex-boyfriends. You know, just kill them. I don't care. You know, what? <laughs> terrible not the dogs, not the dogs, the dead boyfriends. Just keep them dead. Sorry. Just the people. <laughs> yeah, just the people, not the animals. I don't want to see movies. My husband's always like, you know, oh, but it's supposed to be a good movie. I said, no, the dog dies. I'm not going to watch anything about a dog dying. Sorry, not happening. Lassie, go home, stay home. Don't go anywhere. Just stay home. <laughs> Well, uh, you had uh, actually brought up neighbors, and I wanted to bring that up to you, or bad neighbors, as it's referred to sometimes. Um, that oh, was kind of man. remade in 2014 with uh, Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. Did you see that one? I didn't see it because I thought it was more. It wasn't a remake. I don't know that it was a remake of our movie because our movie was about a family. Um, that it's like a loose remake. You know, yeah, I, I didn't see it, so I can't really comment on it. But our neighbors was definitely in a great experience. Yeah, <laughs> speaking That's of great, yeah. stoners and stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um all right well uh another movie that i wanted to talk about was uh I, i'm an advocate for girls night out i think that that is such an underrated slasher film and uh could you tell us how it was making that one? Oh, do you want me to call my husband up here i married <laughs> the guy who played bostwick oh are you serious that's your husband I'm... yeah i married him oh wow i did not know that that is also yeah and he's a super stoner <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Oh my God. I hope nobody like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can text him right now and say, Hey, get your R's up here if you want. Like real yeah, quick. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, um, that movie was definitely, you know, I, I always tell people, hold on, this is going to be funny. I'm going to call him. This is how we do it in our house. Let me call him. <laughs> it's going to wait, wait, right. wait, wait. He probably won't answer. He'll be like, what is this chick calling me for in our own home? <laughs> All right. It's probably still. Hello. Hey, hon, can you come upstairs for a minute, please? <laughs> okay. Okay, bye. Bye. He's actually really in a pissy mood because the dog jumped. The puppy, I think it was the puppy. He doesn't think it was. He thinks it was the old dog. Jumped up on the counter and ate his bun for his sandwich. He <laughs> smoked um, like ribs or something, and he had what was left of it. And the dog stole his bun. Oh, I'd be pissed too. <laughs> oh, okay. See, I don't eat meat, so I was just kind of like, oh, what? Whoops, that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so yeah, that, that movie was kind of a fog for me because I was coming off of doing Neighbors, which was poof, mind-blowing for me the most incredible experience of my life and um you know going to meatloaf concerts and adam and the ants and partying with carrie fisher and all those people it was just mind-blowing so doing girls night out was kind of right on the heels of neighbors so it was it's kind of a fog for me because i was still involved with the neighbors crew and the guys you know so I was sort of sleepwalking through girls' night out until I met that guy. Here, wait, wait, okay, wait. okay. Yeah, you guys didn't know I married Bostwick. No, I had no idea. Here he is. Yeah, it's a little dark in here, so hold on. There he is. Here, come on. Oh, wait, you're going to go on that side? Oh, okay, yeah. Here he is. Yeah, see? So now you get a, now you get a two for one. You got you got Bostwick here. Without the glasses. Hey, what's up, man? Put the glasses on. Wait, put the glasses on. Sure, here we go. 
See, now he looks like Boswick. <laughs> oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> hey, man, I'm Drew, and this is my co-host, John, over here. I can't hear you. Oh, that's right. He can't hear you. Oh, sorry. You can relay the message to him if you want. You could be the translator. <laughs> okay, so what do I tell him? Hold on. Say it again. Just, uh, I just want both of you. Could you just tell us like how it was filming Girls Night Out? Like, you know, what does he remember, and how did you guys end up together? Okay, so here, put this in. Okay. What was it like filming Girls Night Out, and you know, what was it like like falling in love and on set and meeting each other? And stuff it was like the cheesiest film in the, in the world. The the director was awesome. I mean, he Robert Dubell, Remember, it was Robert all from here. Act from here. Oh yeah, he was he was he was the quintessential B movie director. He was, he was, it was just, a, it was interesting being around him. I remember being in a taxi once with him and uh, we were trying to come up with the name of the film. And there were like five of us in this cab and everybody was throwing out these horrible names, including me. And I don't, we didn't find the name that night. It was a surprise to me when it was called Girls Night Out. Yeah, it right? was ri- originally, tell them it was originally Scaremaker. Final Clue. Scaremaker. Scaremaker. Yeah, there were all kinds of, and so anyway. Girls, and then yeah. Girls Night Out. So I'm sorry, you've probably been over this before. But, no, no, no. No, no, not at all. I just, uh, like I said, you know, uh, John and I, my co-host and I are big advocates of the film. And, uh, you know, we just, you know, think it's underrated. And we just, you know, wanted to know what it was like making it. (laughs) Wow. Um, I met her. That's great. So how long have you two been together now, then? I mean, look at that. I mean, what is it, 38 (laughs) years? We've been married 38 years, guys. We met on that film. 38 years. That's incredible. 38 That's years incredible. Ago. Congratulations. 40 years ago. Yeah, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, I remember most from that film. So let me ask you while you're here, do you keep Lauren nice and fed on edibles or is that all her going out on her own? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, I, I, it was a weird, about three years ago, my sister who doesn't smoke pot and her, she never smoked pot. So they, it, they, there was a chance to do some edibles. And so for the first time, after knowing her for more than 30 years, she was willing to do it. And so was my sister on the same night. So I got to, I got to be there when they got stoned on these things. And it was, uh, it was different. It was right? Easter. Tell them it was Easter. Yeah. How, how was the reaction? Was she, was she super baked or was she handling it? She laughed. She was very- Just laughed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> She was really happy and laughed and then fell asleep. <laughs> that's great. That's great. That will, uh, well, yeah, uh, that's, you know, that's, I think that's great that you two are still together and everything. And, uh, thank yeah, you for popping is. on here and talking about girls night out with us, man. We appreciate oh, it. Oh yeah. All right. And, uh, yeah, it was nice meeting you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-oh. I'm afraid to ask were you guys doing boy talk. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. I just I asked him uh I just wanted to ask him uh how he got like, you know, does he keep you fed on edibles or is that you going out and doing it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, our 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 friends buy them for me, so and then yeah. <laughs> I don't do them all the time, you know. I have to um yeah. Well, um, I, okay, so one more question before I send you over to John here. Uh I just wanted to say that your death was brutal. And girls night out, you know, like the bear gets, you know, gets you with the, the blade claws across your throat. Uh, I, I know you said like filming that was like a, a blur to you, but do you remember that death? Like, was that unpleasant to film? Was it fun? 
Um, yeah, it was it was fun. And, you know, it's so funny because after that one and Friday the 13th, uh, they actually started calling me in to dub other girls' screams in other movies. So when you say a scream queen, I actually have done dub, dubbed in, I would say, at least seven or eight movies for screams for other people. And my lips are sealed. But yeah. <laughs> That's awesome to know. And uh, I go back to Friday 13th part two. How did you become involved with the movie? Oh, okay. Yes. So um, I've been doing a lot of TV commercials in New York at the time, you know, straight out of high school and into college. And one of the casting directors moved into casting movies and she was casting Friday the 13th part two. And they were looking for, you know, types, you know, like I said earlier, um, you know, the sexy type of this type, the athletic type. And they were looking for the all-American girl. And that's what I was known as, the all-American sweetheart. And they called up my age and they said, hey, you know, we have a, um, you know, something for her to audition for. Is she interested in doing, you know, a movie, blah, blah, blah. And my agent was like, well, yeah, of course, you know. And I got sent in and it was the casting director at. Sorry, my cats are fighting. <laughs> Better my cats and my dogs. And, um, you know, I read for it and I got the part, you know, like that. Very much like Neighbors, just got the part right away. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. But I didn't know what to expect, you know, because I hadn't seen Friday the 13th, the original. And actually none of us had. I mean, it, was, it had just come out when we were being cast in part two. And what they had us do is they had us go to the Directors Guild of America to a screening of it and watch it. And it, the New York based people. Uh, and we just sat there like this. Like, you know, Jack Nicholson at the end of Shining, you know, <laughs> like that. And we all looked at each other because none of the actors were known at that point, including Kevin Bacon, who I worked with off Broadway. And I'm, we're all just sitting there like what it, it, and I finally, I, I turned to, I think it was Bill Randolph, and I said, is this a snuff film? Do they really kill you? Because <laughs> I didn't, it looked so real to me. I had no idea. And uh, have you watched any of the other Friday movies after yours? Um, I did watch the remake that came out. It's so funny because everybody asks me that. And, you know, if they're on, I'll start to watch it. Uh but I've just been so busy through the years. And hey, come on, guys, stop fighting. Sorry, <laughs> cat fight, <laughs> really. Um, so I really <laughs> haven't. I'd like to watch them, at least a few of them, before going to the next appearance this weekend in Atlanta to Days of the Dead because, um, you know, Kane is going to be there and he's such a card. And he was at Monster Mania the, a couple of weekends ago. And I felt so bad that I hadn't seen his Fridays. I know he did a few. Um, so no, I, I, I saw the remake and I was just kind of shocked because I thought what happened to the characters, you know, they were all a lot of jumbling going on. If you knew what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we didn't have that back then. We had a little bit, you know, of jumbling going on and, you know, Kirsten with her hot bod, which I still tell her to this day. I'm like, Kirsten, I just like based my life. I'm trying to look like you and it just never happened. You know? Ran marathons and I still didn't have that butt. I mean, geez. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, uh, I really should watch them, but I, I just haven't. It's so weird. It's weird. 
Well, well, if you're trying to watch the Kane ones, you just gotta watch seven, eight, Jason Goes to Hell, and Jason X. That's the four that Kane was in. Okay, okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, I know he was in the last group. Yeah. Yeah, six is my favorite, and four is uh, Drew's favorite. Okay, six and four. Okay, even numbers. <laughs> Two, four, and six. <laughs> And uh, did you have any special memories from making part two that, that you think back on? Um, it was just the camaraderie that was going on there. You know, we slept at the camp. Um, we didn't sleep in a hotel. Now, of course, the union would be like, what the F is going on here? You got to put these people in a nice hotel with air conditioning and heating. This is ridiculous. Where's their per diem? Where's their food? We didn't have any of that back in, we filmed it in 1980. So the camaraderie was really awesome. You know, we, all lived at the camp. We all ate together. We all spent our days together. Uh, Kirsten and I would go running. You know, she got me into running um, and exercising. And that's really what I remember about that. Just that whole playing checkers during our off time and hanging out and ah, just sorry. <laughs> I'm just really excited about that because yeah, I don't usually talk about the experience of hanging out with people. So that's really what I remember uh, the most about it. And we all, even if we weren't filming, we hung out at the Packenack Lodge to support each other uh, while we were all filming. And that was really cool. And now, uh, recently you were involved in the fan film Friday the 13th, Nine Lives. Uh, what was it like working on a fr Friday project again? Um, well, actually, it was funny because I know um, another one, um, uh, um, his name was Jason, was another fan film. I wasn't involved with that, but I went to this um, the premiere of that, um, where they actually filmed, you know, Ron Milkey, who was Officer Dorf, um, they filmed him. With mine, it was just on my phone, and then I sent it in. So it was a very limited thing. And that was kind of cool to be asked to do that. Um, and I, I enjoyed the premise of it. And I might use the premise of it to post something, you know, on Instagram, you know, at Warrington Gillette or something down the line. I might use that premise. So I haven't done it yet because I need somebody to take the picture of the idea that I had. So I'll just put it this way. Um, it involves a firearm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, w when you filmed part two, uh, was there anything specifically you wanted to bring to the character of Vicky? I want, I really just wanted her to be real. I didn't, I didn't want her to be like something that she wasn't. Um, I just wanted her to be what I was cast to do, which is a typical American early college student, um, just getting along with everybody and being nice. That's really just what I wanted to bring to it. I didn't want her to die. I felt bad for her because she was such a nice girl and, you know, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's really all I wanted to do. <laughs> And uh, we want to, we can't thank you enough uh, for joining us today. Uh, part two is one of the, one of the best in the series. I mean, we're still talking about it forty years later, and uh, we definitely appreciate you talking to us about it. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me. This is really cool and highly unusual talking about <laughs> things I never talk about. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned Instagram. Uh, where where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm only on Instagram. It's just my name, Lauren Marie Taylor, with the number one behind it. No dots. No hyphens no special things no happy faces even though i'm a happy person 
Wait a minute. I can't say that because I want mar- medical marijuana. Just kidding. <laughs> but thanks, though, for having me on. You guys are really cool. And it was so great to meet you in person. Um, it's just really nice to meet people in person that, you know, you are chatting with. Yes. And, uh, yes, th- thank you again for joining us. Thank it was a you. true pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Good luck to you guys, too. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. We'll see you at the next con, probably. <laughs> Take care. i show you my brown underwear. Wait, did they hear that? Whoops. Oh. <laughs> we'll cut that part out. Oh, no. Actually, you can leave it in. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. And thank you to the wonderful Laura Marie Taylor for joining us today. And that was a pretty cool surprise that we got John Diedrichson, who played Boswick in Girls' Night Out. Thank you for joining us as well. It's uh, good to know Lauren has moved on from those ugly brown panties uh, from part two. <laughs> and uh, join us next week when we're joined by Stacy Nelkin, who played Ellie in Halloween 3. And I still say Halloween 3 is the second best Halloween in the series behind the original. (laughs) Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Instabook Twitter at uh, HighOnHorror420. And you can email us at HighOnHorror420 at gmail.com. Make sure to check out the website, HighOnHorror.com, and sign up for our newsletter so you never miss out on an episode. Thank you to Josh, as always, for editing our episode and for our theme song. And that'll about wrap her up. Catch you later. Bye, everybody. <laughs>